It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on TogiNet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author, and not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically-based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships sans the sleaze factor while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. And now here's your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Over the weekend, and for those of you that it's coming up for Pesach or Passover, um... Have a lovely one. I was at a Pesach early dinner this Saturday. Oh, the brisket was absolutely delicious. Anyway, what I'm looking at today is there were some couples there who had been together for years. And what struck me is what is it that they do to stay in love? How do they maintain their connection? Because... Many times, we just are constantly given the message of, oh, and by the way, you, um, you're supposed to meet someone and, you know, the, the romantic comedy style of fall madly in love, everything's good, the Hallmark movie style of meet someone, you know, at one hour and 15 minutes, you know, there's a big kerfuffle, and then at one minute and 19, because it ends at 122, you know, you all of a sudden discover you're madly in love, kiss, and then, you know, go on for the rest of your lives. That's not what happens for most people. <laughs> and we all have times when we get misinformation about someone or misinformation about, you know, ourselves. Yet what I look at, and that's why I wrote my book, The Great Lover Playbook, what do these people know and what do they do that keeps them connected? So one of the first things that I see is they really like being around one another. They enjoy spending time together and they are, and the woman who hosted it, Lisa, is an absolute riot and her husband is much more understated, and yet he loves the boisterous, outgoing nature that she has and that she's always had. And Lisa, you know, sort of like as the expression goes, she knows everyone, and if she doesn't know them, she's going to meet them next week. And he is, you know, uh, a more artistic, methodical kind of guy, but the two of them play off one another very, very nicely. And he likes to see her be happy. So when I ask people, when they, and it was interesting, I ran into the producer of my uh, TV show that was on the Women's Entertainment Network, uh, Making Love Happen with Lou Paget. And as a therapist now, she said she literally does not do couples therapy for couples 
who are not getting along. And I could not agree with her more because I find most couples, if they are having issues, it's because someone has, they don't want to move off the mark, they are totally pissed about something, or there's a passive-aggressive thing going on, but they often, I mean, it doesn't matter how many times you ask someone, here's some exercises, try this, unless, I mean, and I'm telling people this, unless they genuinely want to have this relationship work, it's not going to work. And if one person already has their foot out the door, I'm telling you, no, ma- no amount of therapy is going to work. And I had another friend of mine who was a therapist who she said, the issue is many times the therapist is siding with the person who's paying the bills. So the person who is funding their mortgage, they're not going to side with the other person. And she, this woman said, I see it happen all the time where often men are getting dragged with their heels, you know, dragging down the rug coming into therapy to talk about things, the woman is the person who has chosen the therapist, and she is looking for the therapist to validate that she's right and that there's a problem over here with her partner. And sometimes the problem is not the partner. It's the person who signed up for the therapy. And she said she had it happen more times than she cares to talk about, where she literally would say to the woman, look, what is your part in this? And you need to be aware that you shouldn't be speaking like this to him, or whatever it was she said. Boom, the woman fired her and hired another therapist to validate. And literally, as this woman said to me, uh, as Barb said to me, they are... It's therapy is really not safe for a lot of men because they just get beaten up. I couldn't agree with her more. So anyways, when you look at if there's issues that you're having in a relationship, and look, we all go through periods of time when you sort of look at a partner and go, what am I doing here? Or you're like, you know, how did this get to this point? Yet, once you look at something and go, okay, this isn't, doesn't have the greatest amount of satisfaction for me, what can I do about it? Then you're on the first steps to taking care of yourself. And when I spoke with the, you know, these couples, of course they share a tremendous amount of history. And this was a couple who were in their 70s, did not have children, had very full lives, and so their focus was on the two of them. And they stayed together because they liked one another. And, but I will also tell you, and, and I may sound, you know, like, oh, my goodness me, do I have to hear this again? Truly, the number one thing that makes most couples stay together is a mutual, that well, they like one another. They like who they are around one another. You know, so that's that thing of how do you stay in love. They like what they're like with one another. And they also are respectful of one another. Now, it doesn't mean couples don't fight. I mean, I've watched people yell and scream at one another. Fortunately, they both grew up in households where people yelled and screamed at one another, and that was totally okay. I did not. So if someone yelled and screamed at me, that would be a real problem. But that wasn't, you know, that person wasn't the person that, you know, I was with. 
yet they did have the ability to say exactly what was going on for either of them. And that is a, a, that's one of the bigger indicators that I have, is that they look to resolve things. They don't let them drag on. And when someone has told me, and I have said this before, uh, about a woman who was having issues with her husband about money, and she said, well, he should know. And I said, well, have you told him? And she said, well, no, but he should know. I said, look, he doesn't read your mind. But she said, well, he, he should just know. And I said, don't be absurd. I said, Use that statement that you just told me, that you would sooner divorce him than talk about money. Have you said that to him? She said, no. I said, promise me you will tell him that within the next couple of days. I said, I'm sure he has no clue. Well, she did. Because one of the bigger issues that many couples have, and they say, I can't remain with this person any longer, is often because of money issues. Someone is a little more carefree with spending or someone doesn't, someone says, oh, you're not making enough money. Nice trick. But, so she says, tells him this, well, if she had sucker punched him, he couldn't have been more shocked. And the thing that happened with her is that she saw his reaction. She saw that, wow, he really did not have any idea. And he came in with all of the investments that he had, and he opened up the book, and he pointed to it, and he, said, he pushed it towards her, and he said, this, I'm doing all of this for you. She was equally as shocked. So thinking that you know what the issue is about your partner may not necessarily be the case. And again, as I said, you have to want to stay in a relationship or that you see that this relationship benefits you and not and I was listening to this rabbi talking about um, this person and he's talking about love uh, like fish and I'm just I'm sorry I'm just making a little note here because I know I have a I'm trying to remember one thing about the, uh, the okay I know who it is guy with the telephones okay um, this rabbi was speaking to this uh, man, and he said, um, so, I, he says, why are you eating that fish? And this man said, because I love fish. And the rabbi says, love the fish so much that you killed the fish to eat the fish. And the guy goes, no, no, I, I love fish. And the rabbi says, that's one of the problems, is that people think that because it's about what they love, it is something that they are then entitled to take or to get. And he said, many people in this world have what he refers to, and I thought this was great, called it fish love. And I thought, fish love? But what he said was, instead of looking at, because when you are in, you know, when you are in a relationship with someone, instead of looking at what you are going to get, the thing that makes most relationships work is when you realize that you want to make a contribution. What can I 
give or what can I do? And if you are simply a black hole of, you know, someone should be doing everything for me, whether that's, you know, paying for something or sexually taking care of or, you know, only your interests are the things that are being looked at, then you're experiencing what he refers to as fish love. And instead, we really have to look at love as something that is much more spiritual and something that we're much more grateful for. Because when you have the ability to give something to someone, there is a feeling of benefit. And I remember Wayne Dyer talking about this, and it was a study of how when people witness, when someone does something nice for someone, it makes them feel good. But what also happens, and this is why all of these YouTube videos of people doing nice things to people, those are the things that people watch millions of times because the person who does something good for someone feels good and there's a change in their you know, brain chemistry. The same thing happens to the person receiving it, but the same thing also happens for the people observing it. And that is that thing, that quantum energetic that we all know exists that you, like when you're at a, a thea- at a theater or you're at a performance, you feel it. We're coming up to the first break. We're coming into the tunes right now. Please stay with me. When I come back, we'll talk about more ways for you to stay in love. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. This is the TogiNet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. Listen up. Did you know recent studies are suggesting that women with skinny waists but sizable hips are smarter than other women? Scientists at the University of Pittsburgh and the University of California gave cognitive tests to a group of 16,000 women and girls of different body types and found the women with the greatest hip-to-waist proportions scored higher. Hmm, I guess that would make me a walking encyclopedia Britannica. No, hold on. That doesn't mean it's okay for us to be a powder pigeon. That's another name for a woman whose sizable hips can take up a whole supermarket aisle. Research suggests that the fat around fuller hips and thighs holds higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids, which helps the brain. I'm not sure if I would rather be able to do the Sunday crossword puzzle or get into those jeans I bought 10 years ago. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Before the break, I was talking about fish love versus the spiritual grateful love, which if we all understand that 
we're all here from the same place. And the divisive nature of our world right now has turned us into... Now, I live in California, so you simply do not talk to anybody about anything political here. It has just become such a minefield. Yet, if we realize that we are not separate, we are all the same. So that quantum energetic that we all are, when we look at that and we are able to look at, hey, what contribution can I make in my relationship. The more grateful you are at the beginning of the day, the more you are going to create things that come into your life that are making contribution to you, that are creating a change in you. And honest to God, it, you are changing on a molecular level that energetically shifts and changes you. So when I ask people, Okay, so how do you stay in love? What I then back them up and ask them is, oh, and I'm, I'm just going to jump here for a moment. Remember I talked about that you have to want to stay in a relationship. You have to be genuine about that. Otherwise, it, it's going to show up somehow, some way, whether it's a passive-aggressive way or whether the person, and the passive-aggressive thing is usually, the one person who wants to be out of it does so many bad things that the other person goes like this, screw you, I'm gone. Now, this is an example of when I talked about not wanting to do couples therapy, I will talk to people one-on-one, but if they don't want to be in the relationship, to me it jumps off of them when I meet them. And this is an example of a couple, and he had tracked me down. Now, this was a man who was in his late 50s. He had a very successful telephone, um, in, in essence, it was a phone sex company. Well, that's what it was. And that was, you know, that was probably 15 years ago. And he had become very successful with it, at which point, at, at some point, he was married and had a young son. He left his wife and moved into a different residence with two young women in their 20s. And he told me the details of this and that he wanted to try and make things work with his wife. So I said, okay, I, you know, what I get a better idea of is when I meet people and I can tell by their body language what is going on. So make the appointment, the husband and wife arrive and the wife is sitting there and she looks like a dog that has been beaten regularly. Her eyes are downcast. They're sort of moving. She won't, she won't establish eye contact. She just looks terrified. And he had said he really wants to make this work. That's what he had said to me on the phone. And I asked her, I said, do you want your marriage to work? And I said, I, don't, I want you to stay separate from what he's saying. And she said, I absolutely do. She said, I don't want to see... Um, my marriage end, and I don't want to see my son be raised, you know, by, you know, a single mother. I said, okay, that's strong motivation. And then I asked him, and he said, oh, yeah, I, I definitely want this to, you know, continue. Then he made a statement that, honestly, I don't think I've ever heard a man say something as horrendous in front of a woman in my life. And what he said 
was uh, he was saying that he wanted to have more techniques because that's my specialty, tips, techniques, ideas, things to do to, as I say, expand the buffet of ideas of what you really would like to try. And he said, okay, I want to know some of these things. I want to know about these things. And I asked her, are you open to trying these things? Because, you know, let's be honest, unless it's a a two-way street and it's going to be enjoyable for her too, eventually it's not going to continue. And she said, I'm I'm open to trying new things. I said, okay. Then he said, this is the statement that I was just like, whoa, spun my head. He said, you know, I'd really consider, you know, going down on her more, but I just really do not like how she smells and tastes. I just don't like it at all. Well, if he had shot her in the forehead, he probably could not have hurt her more. I mean, I just watched this woman just recoil from that statement. At which moment, I, it was like I saw a bubble above his head, and I realized what this man was up to. And I asked him again, I said, you told me you really want to remain in this relationship. He said, I do. And I said, are you sure about that? And he said, well, of course I am. I said, okay, if I may, and I always ask permission before I make a observation. I said, may I tell you what I believe I'm looking at? Now, the reason I'm explaining this to you this way is that I wanted her to see his reaction when I made this next statement because if she had just heard it from me without seeing his reaction, she may not have believed it because she knows this man. She's been married to him for years. She knows you know, his behaviors, his reaction, when he's upset, when he's shocked, whatever it may be. So I looked at him and I said, I have to tell you, that what I believe I am looking at is a man who is using as many things as he possibly can to try and say that he tried to work on his marriage to go back with his wife so that because he has every intention of divorcing her anyway, so that when they come to the bargaining table, he does not have to pay her what he really should be paying her because he tried so hard. And I said, I am looking at a man who's not telling the truth about this. Well, he went the color of white paint. And that's what I wanted her to see because he was lying to her. He was lying to their son, He was lying to the hope and the future that she thought she was still going to be able to maintain. But the fact that I put in, and he's doing it so that he can not have to pay her as much as he really should be when he divorces. Because I've watched people do that. I've watched men tell their wives, oh, I'm just ending things because you and I are not compatible anymore. And she specifically asked him, are we, you know, is there someone else? He bald-faced lied, and it wasn't until after she had signed all the papers she found out that he'd been having an ongoing affair with someone that he worked with. And she never would have been as, you know, she said it was like a mutual thing. No, it wasn't. And he was an attorney, so he knew all the things that he could do to try and lie. Well, so what I ask people is, you know, I, I asked them in the beginning, I said, 
how did you know that the two of you wanted to be together? And it was mutual. You know, they were attracted to one another. So here's what I also ask people. So I, I, if someone comes in and they say, you know, we want to improve our relationship or I want to, you know, find, you know, the passion back in it, I ask them, how did you know or how did you feel when you'd fallen in love or how do you know you've fallen in love? And if they say, say something along the lines of, well, I couldn't stop thinking about the person. Okay, that's usually a good sign because that's, you know, the beginning part of it. But as, you, as your brain matures, because when you do fall in love, you are, it literally is addictive. And it's like heroin. All you can do is think about that person. Thankfully, that does pass because otherwise you'd starve to death and you'd never get anything done. So then you move to a different brain state where you are thinking about the person, but it just makes you feel good to be around them. So, you know, you want to always be with them or you want to bounce something off of them. Again, another very good sign. But here's the, here's the big thing, and we're going to be coming up to a break here in a couple of minutes, so maybe I'll, I'll say that. The, the two main questions that I ask people for me to find out whether or not there's actually a future in their relationship. And it doesn't matter if you're straight, gay, bi, or, you know, gender, you know, neutral. This is still, these questions still apply. But I also ask people if they see something in the future together. Do they, are there things they'd like to do together? Or... Are they compatible? I, sadly, we just heard of the breakup of Janet Jackson's marriage. And, you know, it's, it, you know, here's this very Muslim man marrying a woman who is an entertainer and who is a dancer, very non-Muslim in uh, attitude and in apparel, and yet why and how, eventually things do come to the point where it's just the compatibility factors totally pull apart. And it often happens as a result of a pregnancy or after the birth of a child. And that's where they are right now because the value systems become much more important as soon as children arrive. And that's often when... Uh, when there's a, you know, a difference in religious upbringing, what will pull couples apart? You know, the future looks good until you start looking at well, what's happening for children. And, you know, this person I am going to refer to had fallen in love with this woman. She was Jewish. She was Catholic. But she wasn't very Jewish. And she just said, you know, he said, well, what type of spirituality will the children have? And she said, well, you know, I'm a non-religious you so it doesn't really matter to me and he said well if you're not going to take care of the spirituality i will because i think all children need to have a spiritual you know something that they grow up with and she said well i can't have my children being catholic and he said well they need to have if he said if you're not going to handle it then i need to handle it because that's an important thing for me he that was the thing that was the beginning of the end of their relationship they cared deeply for one another 
they, you know, had considered that marriage, you know, was in the books, but the value system difference pulled it apart. And it was something as simple as, I can't, and, but they were honest, thankfully, they were honest. So we're coming up to our second break here. When I come back, I'm going to give you the two questions that I ask people to find out whether or not their relationship has a future. Oh, here come the tunes. <laughs> Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet with your host, Lou Padgett. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet.com. Brain Lady Anderson is considered to be one of the nation's top experts on the brain personality connection. And now every week she's here to share her knowledge with you. When you learn to tap into the potential of your natural gifts and the power of the brain mind connection, the sky is never the limit. As a matter of fact, there is no limit. Tune in to Brain Lady Speaks with Julie Brain Lady Anderson, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Lessons in Joyful Living Radio Network. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. So, before the break, I was talking about the two questions that I ask people to find out whether or not their relationship has a future or has longevity. And there's two different questions that I ask women than I ask men. And here's the reason why. Women are walking, talking relationship machines. It's what we do. We wake up in the morning and we relate. We know how to relate to things. Um, it's, I'll give you an example of this. When women work with people, they know who they go out with, they know what they like, they know who the person is, they know, they know they're observant of what their behaviors are. They're aware of what they relate to the person, they pay attention. It's a very different thing. You ask the majority of men what they know about the person that they've worked with for five years, chances are they don't know a whole lot. Matter of fact, they, chances are they don't know Bobka's. So women are walking, talking, relationship machines. Men are walking, talking, competition machines. And just to give you another example of that, have you ever watched how, I don't know what it is, but with little boys and what was it, the Sesame Street, the little the guy who played the drums called Monster, and you watch these little boys and it's like this, and they're banging and crashing everything, and they have to, they have to hit everything. I'm like, what is that? I mean, hello, <laughs> making noise. I mean, in almost every drummer, when you watch a drummer, they do look like Monster on Sesame Street. Anyway, men are walking, talking, typically competition machines. And when I say that, I mean they look for how can I, you know, how can I compete in this? How can I be better at this? Um, and marketers 
do a phenomenal job of marketing to the competition gene in men. Uh, I'll use golf as an example. The, every time you see a golf ad, it's, about, it's not about having better skill set. It's about a longer drive. It's about hitting it farther and harder. Now, just change those words for sex, and it's almost exactly the same thing. How do I get a bigger penis? How do I make it harder, longer, faster? Not necessarily faster, but that is, you know, the, the competition thing they feed right into the marketing for men. They don't tell them, listen, get better with the flat stick, meaning your putter. They just say, um, we're going to show you. And everything, the balls are all like, hit it 10 yards further, be more accurate. <laughs> anyway, so when I look at these ads, I, I go, they just sat in that boardroom and went, how can we hit the, you know, their insecurity about being competitive? Boom, there it is. Now, so women are walking, talking uh, relationship machines. Men tend to be walking, talking competition machines. So take a, take a um, pyramid, okay? Just draw a pyramid in your mind that, and, and a standard pyramid, you know, a little point at the top. That is kind of how women's relationships are. At the bottom are her friends that she's known for years. I started the show talking about a friend of mine who had a, a lovely Pesach or, you know, Passover dinner on Saturday. And she had friends from all areas of her life. And that's what women do. They have their friends from school. They have their friends from work. They have their gay friends. They have their friends from the gym. They have their friends from here. And they have this elastic plastic support system of people. And then it goes up. And then somewhere in there, closer to the top, do excuse me, we're having uh, police helicopters flying overhead. Charming. Um, they have at the top is usually the relationship. And so the relationship part of when things end in women's relationships, their whole world, they've got a really, they've got a broad base of support for them. Now, take that pyramid, and this is how I'm going to be describing it for men. Take that pyramid and put it on its nose. So the pointy part is on the ground, and then it builds up to the top, okay? That pointy part for most men is where their relationship is. So that when their relationship ends, their whole world goes and falls over. And they don't have as much support, which is also why for men it can often be much more traumatizing to have a relationship end. They don't have the support. They're not given the social support of, you know, being upset or, you know, feeling devastated so here's what I ask for couples or people. And when I do this, when I've done it on TV programs, um, when it's being taped, I can literally see the people running the camera. They, they, they're watching, but they're kind of like looking around the camera when I say, I can tell you the two questions to ask yourself to see if your relationship has a future or longevity. So here's the two questions that I ask women. The first one is, can you see yourself with this person five years from now? Again, talking about women being walking, talking relationship machines. And, you know, they will likely go, yeah. I say, okay, that's great. Now, let me ask it a different way. What if 
you never got to see that person again. Let's just up the ante. And they're kind of like, oh, okay. Um, you never get to see them again. And how there's, and what happened for me is I started listening to people when they told me how they knew that person was the one. And after about 15 years of listening to people tell me how they knew, that's how I put these two questions together because it was consistent for couples, whether they were straight or gay, that they knew. And when I asked them these questions, they were like, oh, yeah, absolutely. So the question I – and here's what happened about the thing of never get to see that person again. It was a woman whose daughter was dating the person who she did eventually marry, but her mother knew that if she said, how could you, you know, mother said, if you get rid of this guy, that's going to be, that'll be the dumbest thing you've ever done. And she knew her daughter enough to know that if she said that, her daughter would go, fine, I'm breaking up with him, that's it. So in, in a mother-wise, you know, wisdom, she said to her, after the daughter said, what happens if he's the last guy I ever kiss? What happens if he's, you know, I never kiss anyone again after him? And the mother very wisely said to her, well, how would you feel if you never got to kiss him again? And that was when she was like, whoa. And who this woman was was an editor for one of the books that I was writing in New York. And she was like, that one hit home for me. So first question I ask ask women is, can you see yourself with a person five years from now? Imagine that you never get to see them again. But here's the really big question for women. Imagine that, you know, you've got this person's in your life. Are you proud to introduce this person to your closest girlfriends? And here's healthy girlfriends. And here's why I say that. Many times women has a friend, have a, you know, they have a friend who is being sexually intimate with someone or they know they're hanging out with a particular guy, but you never meet them. And that's because your closest girlfriends really only have your best interests at heart. They want to take care of you. They want you to be with someone who really is the best for you. Now, they'll ask you a couple of times, you know, when you meet someone, do you think this person's really good for me? Or what do you think? Now, your girlfriends will tell you the truth, but you only have one or two times to tell the truth. Otherwise, if you say, I think this person's a complete dolt, or this person is a disaster for you, or my God, what are you doing with him? That relationship is going to solidify down to them against the world. And I've had it happen. I've had other friends of mine who have had it happen, where one of my closest girlfriends because she wanted to be married and have children. Well, she wanted to have children, so she had to find someone to marry. And the person she married is just an absolute cad, but that is what was her value system. And I never see her. I never see her anymore. I never hear from her. And it's because she knows, and particularly he knows, that I think that, you know, she could have done so much better than him. But that is, so if you have someone that you are proud to introduce to your closest girlfriends, 
that's a real indicator because your girlfriends want to be supportive of you. So again, the first thing I ask women, and doesn't matter if you're straight or gay, is what are, you know, can you see yourself being with them in five years? Imagine that you never get to see them again. But more importantly, are, you know, you proud to introduce them to your closest girlfriends? Because they will tell you the truth, and they will be supportive. They want you to have the best. So here are the two questions. Now we're coming up to our next break. But I'm going to start here with the two questions that I ask men. And it starts with, what do you, what do you remember about the first time that you saw them? Now, this is, the reason this is important, if something is important for men, they are, they outdo any computer when it comes to being a downloading device. They remember details, they remember time, they remember this. Just ask any man who is a golfer, you know, about the most recent when they played the 13th hole and where did their approach shot. They remember where the approach shot was. They remember, you know, how, you know, it was pin high, they were, you know, uh, this, out of the bunker, it was, a, it was a sandy, they, sandy par. They remember all these things because that's important for them. Now, if it's not important, they don't remember anything. It's like this, it goes right through their ears. They visually, it isn't downloaded. Um, audibly, it isn't downloaded. They don't they don't fixate on something. They don't. Nothing stays. And the reason I ask that is because when men have said that they, I, I ask them, please describe for me what you remember about the first time you saw this person. And I have to tell you, when I do this in my seminars, in the ladies' seminars, I go like this, whatever you do, do not walk out this door and ask your husband or your boyfriend, what do you remember about the first time you saw me? Because I said, that's, you know, do it like a day or two from now. Don't do it immediately. Now, I'm coming up to my next break. We have about another seven seconds, and then we're going to have the tunes. So stay with me, and I will finish the two questions that I ask men to find out whether or not there is a future in the relationship and longevity in the relationship. And here come the tunes. Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet with your host, Lou Padgett. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet.com. This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. about the Gabrielunzi bear caught rummaging through a refrigerator in an apartment in Colorado? 
the tenant heard noises coming from the kitchen and saw a bear with his head in the fridge looking for anything it could eat. What's a word for food that's unfit for human consumption? My wallop. The tenant locked himself in his bedroom and called for help. What's a word for the fear of bears? Ursophobia. We have lots of bears near our Colorado cabin, and we have been told that pepper spray will keep them away. But the idea that it would keep a 500-pound grizzly bear from attacking seems ridiculous to me. I think I'll try the pepper spray in myself and hope the bear doesn't like spicy foods. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Padgett. Coming back for the final section here uh, with the two questions that I ask men. And any questions that you have, send them to office at Lou Padgett. You can go onto my website and you can find me there. And I have a bunch of backroom stuff that I have to do on this website, Bad Me. But I will be, you know, wading through it this week. Anyway, the two questions that I ask men. The first one is, what do you remember about the first time you saw this person? And again, the reason that this is important is that when something hits men, there is a download that they just don't forget. And if they go into any detail, if they describe how the sun was shining on her hair, how she was doing up a strap on her shoe how she was laughing, the color of the dress that she was wearing or the outfit that she was wearing, if they go into any level of detail, boom, I know they have been hit. Coup de foudre, Italian thunderbolt, whatever term you wish to use. And and, And it is a download that is unlike anything they've ever experienced. And I had a gentleman who used to live in my old building, And I remember when Steve told me this, he said, let me tell you something. Men spend their entire lives waiting to get hit. They they may be in a relationship. They may be dating someone. They may even be married. They may even be engaged. And this is what I say to people. People may go along, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and then it goes, like, okay, well, I guess it's time to get engaged. They may be at an event, and then they meet the one, at which point it is like their whole world changes, and they know immediately that's who they want to be with. And when Steve said, he said, let me tell you, they spend their lives with their eye on the horizon waiting for the one that is going to hit them. And I use the example of a friend of mine, uh, friends of mine who are gay, and he had wanted to be in a relationship for years. Uh, he, you know, he and I were roommates. He'd only been my roommate for, my God, not even a week. <laughs> and he meets the person that he's been with now almost like 28 years. And the reaction that Tim had to seeing him, Tim goes into incredible detail of how when he first saw John it was like boom 
and it was at this bar, and he walked in, and he was like, I have got to talk to this person. And, you know, John had always said, I want someone who adores me, absolutely adores me. He could not have someone who adores him more. So, anyways, let's go back. What do you remember about the first time you saw her? And I will use the example of an, an individual I know who is known throughout the world, uh, mega successful billionaire, and he met this woman, and he literally said to me, he said, I don't need anything, but I need her. And it was because for the first time in his life, he had fallen madly, madly in love. It was something that he never expected to have happen. And she wasn't, you know, she was kind of more, hmm. Now, the other thing that, that I asked, the second question I asked men, so the first one was, what do you remember about the first time you saw them? The second question is, are you planning things two, three, six months in the future with this person in mind? Because that then tells me that you are planning things with this person in your future. Now, meeting the family, yes, that's important. Meeting the friends, yes. Yet, you know, that can happen and someone can still, you know, they, people may take that as, oh, this is a big indicator. No, the real indicator is when that man is making plans into the future because when men see what they want, they become very strategic very, very strategic. They will um, start going to yoga classes. They will lose 20 pounds of weight. They will change their hairstyle. They will do so many things that you would not believe. And it's because they see what they want. And as I say, in, in essence, you might as well put a shark fin on top of their head and play the theme song from Jaws because that's what they're like. Do 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 do. I you know. So when this person is, and I, I mean, I've known situations where it's not the man who is you know has the foot on the gas pedal, but it's the woman. And it may lead to a relationship. It may even lead to marriage. And I remember being in um, uh, an event with a bunch of very high-end female entrepreneurs, and we were on a tour of things in Beijing and, Sh- and Shanghai. And I, the one woman said to me, so tell me something that I might not know. And I made the comment about, you know, if he doesn't have his foot on the gas pedal, because the men, I don't, if this is not politically correct, swear to God it's not, but it's the truth. Even if women can approach men, the man still wants to feel that he is the pursuer. So the woman can open the door, but if she's the one making the decision to continue the relationship, it is likely not going to last. And this woman said, oh my God, that's exactly what happened with my marriage. She said, I'm the one that wanted it. I, you know, said, this is what I'm interested in, this is what I want to do, and we got married, but she said it didn't last more than like 18 months. And this is the same thing that I say to people when they are wanting to be in a relationship. It's like, 
look, there's a certain dynamic that is going to make things last. And if the woman is the one who is driving the relationship, it's it it. it it may not last. The engagement, when I, I know many times when people have told me that they were at an event, this is particularly women, they were at an event, their now husband was there with their then fiancé, and they didn't hit on the husband, they weren't doing anything, but the, the fiancé of the other person is all of a sudden sees them and goes like this, oh, my God, there they are. Remember that comment of eye on the horizon, seeing the one that's going to hit them. At which point you will see that, as I call it, um, or as my twin sister calls it, leg-lifting behavior, that thing of uh, letting people know they're with me. And because if... Someone does if if a partner doesn't have that what I call socially acceptable level of you know protective jealousy or something that person is not interested in protecting what they consider to be their territory. Again, not politically correct, but it is what happens. We are hardwired by our hormonal systems, and that is something that when I watch. And, and I've seen it where men have been with their wife, but they are they're scanning the horizon. And I remember one person turning to his wife and saying, uh, he's on his way out of there. And he was right. He was absolutely right. So, you know, as I say to people, watch the behaviors because they're going to tell you everything you need to know about staying or leaving the relationship. So when I ask people, you know, if they are looking for a new relationship or they want to find something, they have to be really clear and clean about themselves, about how they love and what they have to offer, not what they're looking for in someone else. Yeah, you can make all the lists you want, but in all actuality, you have to be something that someone else wants and that someone else feels good about. You know, take it, get yourself ready. You, you have to be someone that makes another person feel phenomenally good. That's the whole thing. And this friend of mine who said, I don't want, I, you know, I don't need anything, but I need her, it was a shock to him. And yet it was something that opened him up in a way that had him see the world very differently. You know, he still was, you know, very driven and all of these good things. But one of the things people need to be aware of is your thoughts are really only 15% of your thoughts are conscious. So if you are in a relationship and you're trying to make it work and you can't see why it doesn't work, Start looking at the 85% of your thoughts that are your subconscious that really run things. Start doing meditative work. Start looking into tapping. Start doing things that have you, you know, what is it, the 432 megahertz. Start working on your subconscious and reprogramming your subconscious because you can do that easily. I belong to a club called Freedom Club 
and freedomclub.org. And every Thursday night, there is a quantum energetics, which helps you to rewire your brain so that you can have the things in your life that consciously you may be thinking you're working for, but the subconscious is the thing that's getting in your way. And there's another uh, uh, modality called the mortar march. And the reason it works is because you are literally crossing the body. You're changing the body's dynamics so that energetically you are rewiring. And, you know, you, if you know anything about um, doing any muscle testing, sometimes your muscle testing will come back and you'll go, well, that's not right. But maybe what you need to do, and this is that, you know, this is like clearing out or it's almost like defragging a computer. Take your right elbow to your left knee, left elbow to right knee, and do that a couple of times. And basically what you're going to be doing is rewiring the currents inside of your body so that your muscle testing will become accurate. Because when people are looking for a new partner, and, you know, I I don't care who you are and what you are, people want love and they want to be loved. It's not much more complicated than that. And if that means using your good luck charms or using something else or, you know, using a vision board or meditating, everyone deserves to have love and everyone should have it. That's our source. That's where we come from. So that's why when I talk to people and I ask them about staying in love, which is what I started the show with, I want people to get the things that take care of their heart because your heart has Your heart is smarter than your brain, believe you me. If you are in a relationship now and you are sleeping with that person, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you look at them and it makes your heart smile, chances are you're in the right place. If it doesn't, then maybe you need to look at putting a little more effort into the relationship or this isn't the relationship you should be in. Yet when you know that feeling of, I'd like to do something nice for that person, how can, you know, how can I make them happy? Can I make, you know, lemon water or make something, whatever it may be, that you know makes them feel taken care of? You and only you have that ability. Be aware and just the more little things you can do, the stronger the foundation is of where you're going forward. If the only person you think about in a relationship is you, rest assured you'll be in a relationship with yourself very quickly. By yourself. Thank you so much for being with me. Again, any questions, you can find me office at loopadget.com or at my website, www.loopadget.com. Thank you so much for being with me. Enjoy the rest of your week. Happy Pesha, and here's the tune. Bye for now. part of Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with host Lou Paget. Every week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget 